0: Our first reading for this evening is from the 34th and 35th chapters of Exodus. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out, and told the people of Israel what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with them. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goats skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence. The lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. "...the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, The holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the seventh chapter of Luke. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Lord's Prayer with the conclusion. What is the conclusion? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we conclude the Lord's Prayer tonight, I want to draw your attention to some of the wording that Martin Luther placed with the conclusion. At the meaning, when he said, what does this mean when we say, thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Luther starts by just saying this. This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing, heard by God. I should be certain. There's one thing I wish all of us Christians would be in our lives. It's that, that we would be certain, convinced, Unmoving in, in our thoughts and our beliefs and our faith in God. That he will do what he has said he will do. Because I can assure you this i a preaching to the choir. There's not much you can be certain about in life. You can't always be certain that you'll have a job next year. You can't always be certain that you'll have good health next week. You can't even be certain... Where you're always going to be living. There's a lot of unknowns in life, isn't there? (laughs) But we can be certain about some things. Because we can be certain about someone. Because when it comes to God, you can be certain. Anything he says to you, anything he promises to you that anything he said he'll do for you it will happen it will you can be certain about that you can have faith in that you can have trust in that because that's the very nature of your god this conclusion starts of the lord's prayer says that we can be certain that everything we pray in that lord's prayer will be given to us will be done it will be for the simple fact that your God has promised and God never goes back on his promises. You can be certain about that. In fact, both of our readings tonight were about having certainty about God, knowing that God is going to do what God said God's going to do, even in spite of maybe what we see around us. So our Old Testament reading tonight it was long, and it talked about a lot of different parts and objects and things, and we might not really understand, okay, what are they even talking about? That long, long laundry list in Exodus comprised all of the elements that went into the very first church building, the tent of meeting. It was a tent, basically, but in this tent, there were wash basins. And in this tent, there were special lampstands. And in this tent would be the famous Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you've ever seen the Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. It's not that big. It was about three feet long, one and a half feet wide, one and a half feet tall. That's it. 80 bitty box. Had two poles on it, covered in gold. But that's not what made it special. Because on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, there were two little angels that were molded out of gold and their wings touched, just barely touched in the middle. And underneath that spot, on that tiny little box, God said, I will meet you there. He literally said this in Exodus. There I will meet you between the two cherubim. He promised that physically his incarnation would be there. That you could be certain. That that's where you could find God. What's so wonderful about this is that You couldn't see him, but you could still be certain that he was there because he said that's where he was going to be, and he's God. He can do what he wants. You couldn't touch him. The Jews couldn't come up and say, okay, he's between the two angels right there. I'm going to grab him. No, you couldn't touch him, but you could still be certain that he's there because he promised to be there. The Jews couldn't hear him. If they walked up to that ark and put their ears down, they wouldn't hear anything. But that doesn't diminish the fact that he's still there because he said he would be there. And because he said he'd be there, you can be certain that he'll be there. That's the very nature of our God. He assures us that we can have faith in Him, that we can trust in Him, that we can be certain that what He says will come true even in spite of what we can't see or can't touch or can't hear around us. In fact, in this world, we see the opposite. Our eyes and our hands and our ears play tricks on us and try to have us think that because we can't always see or hear or touch God, they must not be there. They must not be present in your life. And that couldn't be further from the truth. In our reading from Luke tonight, we run across a woman who comes to see Jesus. And all we know is is that she is a sinner. That's all we know. We don't know what kind of sins, so I'm not going to guess. But that woman knows her sins to the point that she is down on her knees at the feet of Jesus, crying so much, so many tears, that the tears as they fall on his feet literally wipe off the dirt. And she dries them with her hair. So that woman sees her sins. That woman could touch her sins. They are very real in her life. That woman can hear the sins that she's done. She knows what they are. They plague her. They stay with her late at night. They're always on her mind. She is certain that they are there. As we all are. At times. But something even greater is right before her and she knows that. She knows this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God in the flesh. Who needs the Ark of the Covenant? He is here, and he says he's there. And the woman could be certain that this really is God in the flesh. And look what Jesus does for this woman. This woman who's so certain of her sins, she sees them. So certain of her sins, she can touch them. So certain of her sins that she can hear them all the time. Playing them over and over again in her head. Look what Jesus does for her. He speaks and he has the gall, the guts to say to her, your sins are forgiven. They're gone. They're put away from God's perspective. They're as far as the east is from the west. So, even though that woman, as we all feel this way sometimes, even though that woman and us can still see our sins sometimes, we can still be certain that they are forgiven. Why? Because Jesus Christ said they are. It's that simple. Even though we might be able to reach out and touch our sins sometimes and still be touched by them, just as this woman was, she could still be certain her sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ said, your sins are forgiven. And even though at times this poor woman probably plays her sins over and over in her mind, hears them over and over like a a bad playback on an old cassette recorder, Or a skipping record that just keeps playing the same thing over and over again. She can play over and over again something even greater. And that's the words of Jesus that says, your sins are forgiven. And she can be certain her sins are forgiven. Even if she plays them over and over in her head and drives herself crazy about it. She still can be certain those sins are forgiven. Very simply. Because Jesus says, they are forgiven forgiven because of that she can be certain nowadays we have something even greater than what the Jews had in the Old Testament with the Ark of the Covenant in many ways we even have an advantage over the woman who was crying at the feet of Jesus and here's why We have the ability to look back and see what Jesus Christ has fully accomplished that all of them were waiting to have accomplished. We can look up at a cross and see with our own two eyes that he did die on a cross, not for his sins, for our sins, right? And because of that, because of what he's done, we can be certain That our sins truly are forgiven. Truly are dead. Because they died with him. We have an advantage over the people of the Old Testament. And even this woman today. Because we know three days later. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that he has promised that all of us. Us Christians. Who follow him. Will also follow him In a resurrection from the dead, and that one day our bodies will be changed to be just like his glorious body, the same way. And how can we be so certain of that? Because he said so, because he did it. He is the firstborn from among the dead, the scriptures say, the firstborn, not the last. You, all of you, me, all believers in Christ, we will follow him. He might be the first, but he's not the last. And you can be certain of that because he said so. I think it's so important for us Christians to be certain. Not in this this life, this life is filled with uncertainties. We can be certain of who our God is and what our God has done for us through Christ. Because that's never going to change. And during this season of Easter, we should especially be certain in the fact that there is an eternal life in which we will be there one day with Christ. And especially as the things we see around us try to steal that away from us, as we see death, as we see friends dying. As we see and maybe feel and touch in our own bodies diseases that come up sometimes. All of these things try to seem like they are certain. They try to dictate and say to you that they're in control of your life. But they're not. The only certainty you have in life is God. And what God has done for you through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is certain. Diseases come and go our lives will one day die. But we have a certainty in Christ that we will rise from the dead. That's his gift to us. So I pray for all of us in our lives, every day of our lives as Christians, I pray that we take comfort in knowing that our everything God does for us, it's certain, it's definite. It either has happened, is happening, or Or will happen. And we can be certain of that. Because it's the very nature of our God. It's who he is. He is definite. He is always sure. Always true. Always fulfills his promises. Because of that. You can be certain. That everything he said. That he'll do for you. He is doing for you. Right now through Christ. And will do for you. All through Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.